It's the Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by ANZ Home Loans for financial well-beings. And welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate Breakfast, available of course every morning on iHeartRadio, Spotify and Apple and wherever you get your podcast from. Hope your weekend was a good one. Yeah, back into another Monday. And this morning we are catching up once again with David Bassanese from Bettershire and David, I noticed that the last time that we spoke, it was at a time when the RBA did their first pause in this whole rate rise cycle. Not so novel anymore. It's been quite the turnaround in the market. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess, you know, they have raised rates aggressively uh, over the past year and they got to a point where they think it's um, at a restrictive level and inflation's been coming down and they've, uh, you know, gone on a pause. And uh, yeah, that's been the situation now for a little while. I ask this of every commentator with regard to the RBA and uh, what might happen between now and the end of the year. There seems to be more people in the corner of no more RBA rate rises for 2023. And some go as far to say as April, they'll start to come down. Yeah, well, in fact, I've got April, I've penciled in April, so I might be in that group. If you look at financial markets, they're actually pricing in a 50% chance of one more rate rise by Christmas. So it's not completely a zero probability, but on balance, I think most economists now are coming around to the view that they are probably done. Unless we get an upside surprise in inflation, you know, we do get monthly inflation reports um, and it's been helpful that in the last few months they've tended to basically be no, no worse than, than feared, if anything, surprise a little on the downside. And if that continues, we're seeing consumer spending, you know, still soft, they probably will, will uh, remain on hold. And as inflation continues to come down, start to bring rates back down to more normal levels, which are, are certainly lower than where they are at the moment. And I guess just projecting into 2024, as you say, you've got a penciled in for April where they might start to come down. It's going to be a different year, isn't it, 2024 to this year? Well, yes, it will be. I mean, hopefully inflation will be, you know, a lot lower, back back to what would say a 3% annual rate, getting close to the RBA's 2 to 3% uh, target. I mean, we, it's also probably going to be in a, a, a softer economy, you know. I mean, the RBA will cut rates provided that, you know, growth remains, you know, reasonably subdued. Not a recession, but certainly... Uh, subdued, you know, growth, the unemployment rate probably likely to go up a little bit more, a a tick over the 4% level. We're breaking the back of inflation, hopefully, but it's uh, it's coming at the cost of of a slowdown in consumer spending and some rise in unemployment. Yeah, breaking the back of inflation. That's what people want to hear. All right, stay right there, David. We'll come back to you and we will talk more about the real estate sector next. We are more than just a real estate podcast. We cover a multitude of subjects, including property data, current buyer-seller sentiment, and the mood of the market. Follow each week all of the main talking points and know your property. And right now it's time for another 30-second property tip. Let's go to Jonathan from Williams Real Estate there in Adelaide. And good morning to you, Jonathan. What have you got for us this morning? Good morning. I think a quick tip and a really important tip, especially for people that are looking to buy and sell. Obviously, if you're buying and selling in the same marketplace, your changeover costs are going to be the same. 
But most people that are either upsizing or downsizing have some sort of a relationship with a real estate agent. I think it's really important if you're looking to either upsize or downsize that you're involving that real estate agent in terms of a conversation point around properties that are of interest to you. There's so much data and information that a real estate agent can provide you on what that property should statistically be worth and maybe some interesting background information on its previous transactions and what it really should be worth in today's market. Yeah, because you don't really want to have to go through that whole conversation again with somebody else because that's just really painful, isn't it? If somebody already knows you like your GP, why go to another doctor? Absolutely. And most agents know the other agents. So there could be some helpful insights that they could actually get firsthand from that agent that uh, is actually selling the property that you might be interested in purchasing. We talk to some of the most influential figures in the real estate industry, from leading commentators to investors to real estate principals, only on The Real Estate Podcast. Well, you might have heard about people experiencing a significant loss on their Sydney apartment investments when it comes to selling them. High interest rates and, of course, concerns about overdevelopment have prompted a growing number of apartment owners to sell and to sell at a loss. Data from CoreLogic reveals and tells us that one in six apartment sellers in Sydney is experiencing the situation. That's right, I said one in six. With areas like Strathfield, Parramatta and Ride topping the list for losing money on their apartments. Rising interest rates and an oversupply of apartments in certain areas are contributing to the trend as well as that the proportion of loss making sales is increasing in regional New South Wales driven of course by the interest rate hikes and a post-pandemic migration correction. So that is uh, pretty unfortunate for people. I hope that you are not in that category because that will be hurting beyond the pale. And I saw the ABC article. They ran a story on a woman in Sydney who lost 90 grand on her apartment. Well, let's change topics. If you're celebrating today your birthday for September the 25th, happy birthday to you. Barbara Walter is turning the big 93 today and Michael Douglas and his wife Catherine Zeta-Jones both celebrate their birthday on the same day. Michael Douglas is turning 79, Catherine Zeta-Jones is 53. It's the main centre forecast. And around the country, let's check on your weather today. In Sydney, should be a mainly fine one. 25 is your forecast high. In Melbourne, a little bit of cloud, but mainly dry and fine. 21. Brisbane, expecting a mainly fine day with 25. And the place to be, Perth, blue skies, nothing but sunshine and 23 for you today. Navigate the world of real estate like a pro with expert insights, opinions and trends to up your game and knowledge when buying your next property. 
And we are back on your Monday morning and Australia has greatly benefited from China's rapid industrialisation over the last 30 years, particularly through increased demand for coal and iron ore. This Chinese demand boosted Australian export prices, of course, benefiting the, the mining sector and government revenue. However, China now faces significant economic challenges, including rising local wages and also caught up in all of this is the China property market. The property and infrastructure construction bubble is fair to say in quite some trouble. And let's bring back in David Bassanese. And David, I wonder just how many people with a mortgage actually think about what is going on in the whole China unravel at the moment with their economy and that property sector. Should people really be thinking about that in Australia? Well, I mean, it does have, you know, we're a major trading partner with China. As you pointed out, we export a lot of coal and and particularly iron ore to China. So to the extent the housing construction boom that they've really been enjoying for the past, you know, decade or so does start to unwind. Their demand for steel is going to fall and their demand for, as a result, iron ore were going to fall. So it has a direct implication uh, through to Australia um, through, you know, lower iron ore prices, um, probably a, a, a weaker mining sector going forward, weaker government revenues. I mean, high iron ore prices have really boosted government tax revenues uh, in recent years, so it's going to make the budget a little bit more, uh, even more challenging. Uh, but you know, the property sector per se. I mean, the, as you pointed out, I mean, it is a, it did develop into a bubble, I guess you would say. There's a lot of reasons for China to build a lot of homes. A lot of people were moving from from farms to the urban areas, into the factories and and offices. That got ahead of steam and we we got a lot of I think you know speculative overbuilding essentially in the last few years and um, now that's starting to unwind. Yeah, well, I tell you what, I, w- I went to China just before COVID. We ended up going to this city. It was built, a brand new city. It was built for 1.3 million people. Everything was shiny. Everything was new, absolutely pristine. It was finished two years prior to us getting there, and there was nobody there. It was absolutely empty. They call it a ghost city. And no doubt you've heard about these sorts of cities in China. And that kind of highlights just how bad that is. I mean, could you imagine something like that happening inside of a suburb of of Sydney and nobody's there? Look, what that points to is the is the problems with, uh, you know, uh, essentially a centrally planned type of economy. I mean, a lot of these construction projects were done by property developers funded by state-owned banks, and they were encouraged to lend to the property developers because it's, you know, good for economic growth and, and development. And they were on selling these apartments to households who didn't have a lot of other areas in which they would could save, and, and they were, you know, buying property because property prices have been going up. But the you know the market signals that would normally check a lot of this uh, weren't really in place, and and so now they you know they're paying the consequences of that. Do you think 2024, in terms of what is going on in China, is going to put a bit of a a dent in the aspirations of a great year here in Australia? 
Look, I think China is still going to, you know, their economy isn't going to fall in a hole. I mean, they're still going to, they used to grow at 10%. That slowed to, say, 5 to 6%. I think going uh, forward, you know, probably be growing at closer to, you know, 3%. So it's going to be a slowing, a slower pace of growth in China. It's still a huge economy. Iron ore prices, interestingly, are still, you know, up over $100 a tonne. So there hasn't been a big collapse in commodity prices despite the, the slowdown in China. Um, and I think what we will see, ultimately, China does can't afford to let the economy slow too much. Um, it can't allow unemployment to go too high. I mean, the, the, the party, the Communist Party that you know, runs the country does so by, the, by keeping the economy on an even keel. So if push comes to shove, I think you'll see major fiscal stimulus, maybe more you know, so-called white elephant infrastructure projects, things they probably don't really need to build, but they will build uh, for the sake of sustaining economic growth um, for a bit longer. So um, I think that's sort of how things may well start to play out toward later this year or into next year. Yeah, I think unfortunately for first home buyers, China's probably a little bit too far. <laughs> well, again, the direct implications for first home buyers here uh, isn't that, you know, it's only to the extent that it leads to a slowdown in exports, uh, you know, a slowdown in the direct linkages of an implosion in the Chinese property sector to local property. Yeah, look, if anything, I mean, to the extent it makes the RBA more likely to cut interest rates um, next year on the back of a you know weak Chinese economy hurting our economy, then you know it can actually be positive for the for, for those you know with a mortgage. A weaker Chinese economy can be a, in, in that sense a positive. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll leave it there. Let's hope that we have got a fantastic 2024. We've just got to get through 2023 with no more rate rises. David, have a wonderful Monday and we'll talk again soon. No worries. Great to be with you again. Don't navigate the real estate market alone. Let us help guide you in the world of real estate every day. Make better informed decisions with the latest news and insights. If you were an average household, it would take you about five and a half years if you were saving 20% of your income. By comparison, in 1990, it was less than three years. Between Brisbane and Sunny Coast, the consumer prices in Sunny Coast are about 17.4% lower compared to Brisbane. A lot of that hard work has been done up front to make sure that we're not putting people into loans that they, they can't afford. We found that when auctions get sort of in that low to mid 60s, we see either a very start of the phase of softening markets or in some cases, balanced markets. This is where you're just not getting an amazing result all the time. You're not getting a horrible result all the time. We connect you to the best real estate information across Australia. The Real Estate Podcast. 